Hello everyone and welcome to another Scotswayhe podcast and today I am joined by musician Joe Kane. Hello Joe. Hello. And we are here to talk about your most recent or your current project I should say The Poppermost which has the debut album is the debut album for it The is, Poppermost yeah, yeah. Debut. out now hits to spare. So first of all who or what are The Poppermost? The Poppermost is basically me wearing all the caps, trying to pretend that I'm uh, multiple people. Um, basically, last year, initially, last September, I asked some friends who I'd been working with on various songs online, like everyone was doing. So I kind of thought it'd be nice to do a Beatlesque kind of thing, where everyone was playing their kind of respective musical part. And then everyone just took so long. I thought, you know what, I've got everything, so why don't I just do it myself? And I did. And I was actually looking back the day that I messaged all of them. I started writing the songs. Like, right. a, on my phone, I've got all the demos, and the first one comes from that day. So all the songs came about um, within the space of a couple of weeks when I decided I was doing that, and it was quite um, flowing. So were you quite pleased in the, that it ended up just being yourself, considering that it would have been difficult, I would imagine... You know, it would all have to be done online, I guess. Yeah, well, yeah. that's it. I mean, I, I kind of, as I was coming up with it all, I kind of put this studio together, and um, I just got this little Vox amp. Yep. And I got a, a Gretsch country gent. So I had the Hofner already, and I had this wee Rickenbacker guy. So when I got the Gretsch and a, a decent little Vox amp, I thought, well, I've got everything. I've got my. Uh, 1965 Ludwig kit as well, so I thought, well, I've got everything I need to kind of make that sound. You should say uh, to listeners that are sitting in the most amazing uh, studio, you've just heard a little bit of what's in here. You've got a real old kind of organ as well. What's this? Well, that's just a piano. Oh, is it just a yeah, piano? It's just a... Oh, it's not, it's just a piano. And I've got uh, a Vox Aye. Continental organ as well. But that's not actually on the album because I got it after it. Right. So it'll be on the next one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's keys and guitars and, 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 you know, equipment everywhere. You've really done well to... I know. I'm very in. lucky to have all these toys. Like, um, they're a lot of fun. <laughs> um, I, the way that you've managed to soundproof your drum booth with... Uh, Foam and mattress, is that? Mattresses and uh, insulation. And my dad helped me build this wall, which is uh, quite notable because it's got that wood on it with holes in it, which I like. I don't know what the name of it is, but you see it in pictures of old studios. <laughs> and like, you've not got a real studio until you've got a wall with holes in it. Excellent. So that's that. So how did they... Uh... How did the idea of the album come about? You know, it's very much 60s yeah. influenced. But I think for a long time, I thought I wanted to make an album that was very overtly Beatles because that's my kind of uh, musical language, you know. Yeah. And, and when I was a kid and I got into the Beatles, that's how I learned to play guitar and drums and bass. It all stemmed from that. So that's always been the kind of main thing for me. And songwriting, you know, was uh, from them. So... I always thought when I've got all those instruments, you know, I'll do something like that. And that's, it just kind of happened during lockdown last year. It wasn't like, oh, I'm making a lockdown album. I just happened to get all of those kind of basic musical ingredients. And then, you know, that was it. All the songs, when I decided, I, I was actually making another album last year under my Radiophonic Tuck Shop uh -huh. moniker. And it was a concept album. I put a guy that invents a, a telephone that can call the past. 
So it was about 80% finished with that, but I ended up just, I seem to have this problem where I start going around in circles, find it quite hard to finish something. So last August, I kind of decided, you know what, I'm just going to leave that just now. And as soon as I did, I started getting the kind of ideas that became this. So sometimes it's good just to kind of leave something if you're not getting anywhere with right. it, because it can <laughs> pull you down, you know, pull you back. Um because you've you've done a lot of projects over the years, and maybe touch upon some of those uh, later on. But what I'm feeling is that, and I see in some of the equipment here is the authentic nature of. I mean, using the the equipment that was used originally is that right? Is that what you were trying? Yeah, to... Yeah, I mean, as far as it's not like a purist thing. The the I wouldn't say the the poppermost is me now. Yeah. Using the kind of musical language of the Beatles, but I would say the songs on the whole. There's a couple that are more pastiche, but most of them are like songs I would write, and I kind of wrote them for this. But you know, they're me expressing myself in a yeah. song. They're not just me doing an exercise and trying to do a particular kind of thing. A couple are like a bit more tongue in cheek, but on the whole, I mean, I'm recording to a computer, so it's yeah. not like purist. Sure. But I did. Um, I've got this wee analog, sorry, yeah. I'll show you, this is the wee desk I mix it on, so I just send everything out to four tracks, so I kind of mix it as if it's a Beatles mix, analog, you know, so track one would maybe be drums and a guitar, track two, bass and percussion and whatever, then vocals and other stuff with effects, so I kind of mixed it really basic and yeah. that's what helped me to finish it, because <laughs> if I'd have been doing it in my kind of usual way i don't think i would have finished it you know and i've used these crappy little boss compressors which are great but i just put all the drums through one of them and just smash it and <laughs> seems to work excellent so was the the studio built for this project yeah origi originally i put this together about two years ago like i done all the walls it's basically a big garden shed yeah so i filled like the frame with uh, that stuff yeah and then I covered it in plasterboard, and then that was it, really. And I started playing some drums, and my neighbour, previous neighbour, they're gone now, <laughs> she went absolutely mental one day. And uh, just, it was quite early in the morning, she came round and gave me a piece of her mind, you know, and I was a bit like, oh, oh my God. So I kind of moved back in the house with like, the computer and all that and just, just stopped drumming. And I was using a remote drummer for a while, who's very good, a friend of mine called Joe. And then last year, when I started getting an idea for this, I thought, you know what? They, they kind of done another, the neighbours like done another couple of things that wasn't very nice. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck them. I'm going to play my drums. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of, I done this at least. And then I seemed to get away with it. But then they moved out, which was great. So they're gone. <laughs> and I'm playing the drums in my garden shed. And the neighbours are. So yeah, are anyway. <laughs> I, yeah, I moved back in here and started kind of, you know, kitting it out to do it the way I wanted and it took me a month or two to kind of because in the very early recordings of the Poppermost stuff when I started the drum sound wasn't as good right so I'd done a few changed the sounds improved it and I went back and redid a couple of bits but that was all like maybe a month or two that I'd done the bulk of it over so it was a very quick and cathartic process it was just like ah that's great <laughs> the reason I ask about um, the authenticity of it is looking at the the album cover um, you know, it's very much off the time as well, you know, and you've got some pastiche little labels and yeah. things like that on it. Was was it important to you to have that running through it? Or was it just a good fun thing to do? Because well, even, even the, the font that you use is, you know, very much off the time. Well, that's it. I mean, it is fun. It is fun for me, and I do like to try and kind of uh, approximate 
the designs of them. I'm quite into the, the graphic design aspect of a lot of 60s records and the way that they put them together. So the photo for the album cover wasn't meant to be the album cover. We were just out one day and we were walking past the barras. Mm-hmm. And they had this great, great shop front, that, that kind of Mondrian thing. And uh, Lindsay just took a couple of pictures of me on her phone. And that was it. And then um, I was kind of messing about even before the album was finished. I just thought, you know what, that looks like the cover. And although it does look it's kind of sexy, the best thing about it, up in the top right-hand corner, there's a CCTV camera. <laughs> and a bunch of people say, oh, you're going to Photoshop that? I was like, nah, no way. Yeah. Like, that kind of lets you know where when you are. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's cool, it's sexy, but they're watching, you know. <laughs> we're, we're right in the here and now. So, yeah, it's very much, it's me now, you know, uh, wearing that kind of... Um, yeah. But since you uh, started, like say you were into the Beatles from a young age, but then of course you played in Beatles, yeah. then Beatles, yeah. and um, and there's a drum to prove it. Excellent. <laughs> uh, so was this idea to take that music but make it your own, something that you'd wanted yeah. to do for a while? That's it. Like for for the whole, well, then Beatles lasted about six years, and then after that, up until lockdown. I was kind of playing with other bands, so I think it was a way for me to take back the thing away. You know, I, I love doing Beatles tribute stuff, but it's very hard to get the momentum on your own stuff because yeah. then you'd be away for on a tour, and so it's nice for me to have this that bit of momentum to get really into something new, but use that kind of a uh, influence and sound in a way that it had belonged to that before. You know, being you know playing the music of the Beatles, so yeah to take it back for me and do something fresh with it. It's been great. And is are there plans to do anything live with it? Yeah, we've just put a band together right. and it's uh, myself and Richard and Ross from the Shiver and Shakes. Yeah, yeah. So it should be a four-piece, but we kind of ended up being free and we've made it work and it sounds a bit raw than the record, but it's really good. Did you play at the weekend? Yeah. I, I just suddenly remembered yeah, seeing that. On we were playing media. Friday in the Butterfly and Pig. Excellent. And we were playing down in Gateshead on Saturday. So we've kind of put a two-hour set together of like, uh, we're doing some of the stuff from the album, but we're doing a lot of early 60s girl group stuff, rock and roll, like stuff the Beatles were into when we were doing Hamburg. Yeah. Like just really good dancing music. So we're kind of hoping to get more gigs just going out as a kind of rock and roll 60s party band. Fantastic. You know doing all that kind of stuff as well like so because i think if i can marry this with what i was doing before but not have to like you know if i can be myself and have a band where we record original material and get to work at the weekends it'd be a nice uh, synergy i think that i didn't have before and what was it like being out playing live again that oh, was awesome yeah, yeah. i mean that th- i thought they weren't going to let people dance in the venues but mm. they did there was people dancing and it was just great, yeah. It was great to play music and uh, people react in real time <laughs> and not, like, have to read their comments on a screen as you... <laughs> oh, yeah, OK, yeah, yeah. Thumbs uh, up. <laughs> yeah, if you want to PayPal me uh, £10, thank you. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that's all... It was great to be able to do those kind of things, but I lost interest and I stopped yeah. last year because I just felt like I was begging in a way, like, oh, yeah, if you can give me some money on PayPal, you know. So I think the kind of gig streaming thing died I know some people are still doing it but to me I don't know I think live music needs to come back 
I think it's interesting like, putting together a, a two-hour live set straight away. Well, so yeah. <laughs> well, we got we got together. <laughs> Funnily enough, I got the band together to do a live stream. Right. Because <laughs> uh, Blair, David Blair, that's doing oh, the, yes. the Room 2 stuff, asked me to put something together for the start of June. So we started, those guys weren't doing anything um, because a couple of the other guys from the Shakes have got babies and stuff, so they hadn't been doing anything. And we started rehearsing at the start of May for this live stream, which never happened. So we found ourselves with a band and no gigs. And now, you know, it's starting to happen. So it's really good, very exciting. Yeah. We have something new and everything's new and everything's weird. So it's like we're ready and, uh, you know, and you can book us for your garden party <laughs> or... Uh, Wedding, birthday party. Sounds perfect. Yeah. And also a great way to, to kind of present new music is to intersperse it with favourites that people will know already. Well, yeah, it works quite well. I mean, like, a lot of the stuff we're playing isn't stuff that most people know. Like, we're doing a lot of kind of... Um, we're doing quite a big mix of stuff, you know. We're doing a lot of, uh, like, Alpha Alexander kind of ones. And we're doing It's My Party by Leslie Gore. Yes. <laughs> which is, is great. And a lot of stuff like that, a lot of female vocal things... Because Richard and I have both got quite high voices, so we're doing like uh, "I Only Want to Be with You," Dusty, and oh, excellent! Uh, "Love of the Loved" by Silla. A lot of quite cool stuff. We're just being quite self-indulgent, I suppose. <laughs> and have you got other uh, gigs coming up? Uh, I think we do, yeah, but I don't know the dates yet. Right, okay. They're in the pipeline. They're in the pipeline. Well, if you let us know, we'll do it. Sure. let other people know because it sounds like a great night out. So. Going back to your start in music, how did who did you first play with? What was your first kind of uh, break into music? I first started playing just like typical, just with guys at school. Yeah. You know, and we formed our first little band and started doing like all the kind of uh, Glasgow toilets of the mid nineties, such as the Brew House. Yes. Remember the Brew I House? Remember the Brew which House. was actually quite a cool setup because you had the stage and it was kind of box shaped and looked into the place and it was quite high. Uh, yeah, it doesn't high up. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't look like that at all in there now. It's yeah. like I remember it being quite—I don't know—quite an unusual place with balconies and stuff. It doesn't look like that now. I don't think. But yeah, places like that, the Vale, all that kind of stuff. And then I don't know what happened to that band. That was called Jelly Bean Action, my <laughs> first band. Uh, and then, then I started a punk band called the Stunts. And we were kind of like quite angry, late teen kind of yeah. angst. That lasted a couple. And I played uh, also, my first professional band was playing with Hugh Reed in the Velvet oh, Underpants. Aye, aye. I joined him on bass when I was like 18. Wow. And then I became the guitarist and I sacked all of his band <laughs> and, and got all my mates in. And we'd done a tour of Ireland, uh, which was crazy. Just weird. Such such a good experience for yeah. a teenager. And Hugh's the magic guy. I love it was still a big band, wasn't it? It was a lot, a lot yeah, of people I, on stage. Yeah, I mean, in the 90s, it was uh, a really cool band to be in because yeah. we used to go and see them. My favourite bands to go and see in the 90s were Hugh Reed and the Kaisers. Mm -hmm. uh, the Kaisers just blew my mind, you know, as a teenage Beatle fan. And I was really into, like, the all the Hamburg stuff and yeah, the rock yeah. and roll. So I seen them one year, uh, one year at New Year in George Square. And I was just like, wow, you know. They're still one of the best bands I've ever seen. Uh, so yeah, what happened after that? Oh yeah, and then in 2002, I met a guy called Nick Denholm, and he was a, like a keyboard player, songwriter from England. Right. And uh, I met him doing this, actually. He interviewed me for a student magazine. Mm -hmm. 
because I just started a little record label and uh, we became really good friends because he was into the Beatles and stuff and he was just an incredible songwriter so we started a band which was called the Owsley Sunshine which was a kind of psychedelic uh, garage pop type thing mm-hmm. and that was around about when I got serious about recording so I got myself my first kind of computer and a really crap mixing desk and just plugged it in the back and uh, like straight into like just in. <laughs> just like the you know the mic socket yeah. so you could get to a stereo left and right so I made like two albums like that <laughs> uh, and we put them out ourselves and stuff and uh, then I kind of uh, I got a slightly better computer after that and we made another a double album right which was great but it took ages to make and that was my first experience of not being able to finish them because it was driving me crazy right, like the okay. mix and all that so that album ended up taking two or three years and then that band kind of fell apart unfortunately and I kind of made my first solo album as only Joe Kane because mm-hmm. people always said are oh, you Joe Kane I was like oh I'm only Joe Kane all so right. I kind of yeah all my life so I reappropriated it <laughs> yes, as yeah. my solo moniker and made an album under that just myself so that was my first that I suppose that's where I'm at now yeah well on that album anyway so that was the first time I did that playing everything kind of vibe and then I got married accidentally and I moved to Isla Right. So I was over there for about a year, and that kind of imploded as well. <laughs> and then I come back here, and I just hit 30 and moved in with my mum and dad again for the first time since I was like 19, and that was terrible. And then then Beatles happened out of nowhere, yeah. so me and those guys got that together. So how did that come about? Because it was a big success. Yeah, it? it was. I mean, it was still the best thing that I've ever done. Like So Clark, who's the John guy... He'd put an advert on Gumtree, and when I seen it, I kind of answered it, and the advert said, oh, looking for someone to play John or Paul. I'm willing to play John or Paul. So I replied going, hi, yeah, I don't mind. I'll do John or Paul, whatever. And then it took a while, and then Clark and I realised we knew each other because we'd met. I'd put his band on a couple of years before. And uh, so that got together. Very quickly, we started gigging around, got a theatre show together met various promoters who were all scumbags <laughs> and uh, went you know we got to tour we went to canada we went to south africa australia dubai singapore you know tons of places and that was cool so that was a really nice time yeah yeah but you were still doing your own music on the, weren't you? yeah during them uh, it was a couple of years of not doing any music i don't know why that was kind of moving between flats and stuff mm-hmm. and then I finally moved in with Tom Tom Snowball Davis uh, and also Big Mike do you know Big Mike? don't know he was in the Trembling Bells oh right I do know yeah. you mean yeah, yeah. I, I moved in with them for a couple of years and I kind of got a recording set up again and then I started uh, Dr Cosmo's Tape yeah. Lab with Stu Stu yeah. Kid and that was great done that for a couple of years made three albums I've actually made four ones never been released <laughs> again was it difficult to finish yeah exactly so that's uh, the first half is all just songs and then the second half is a, a ghost story mm-hmm. a Glasgow ghost story about a guy a, a, well a boy that goes to a charity shop and he buys a pair of um, pyjamas from the 70s you know like proper orange pyjamas and the pyjamas are haunted so he gets possessed <laughs> by the old guy who died in them and the old guy is like an old kind of a uh, you know like 
like a kind of razor gang guy who went up the ballrooms and he makes the ah. boy go on a tour of Glasgow to all these spots that he used to go to but he realises they're all gone you know so it's quite a weird story so yeah we never finished that we should Stu if you're listening every couple of months we say alright let's finish the album and then we don't two things I think I wouldn't buy from a charity shop is pyjamas and underwear <laughs> <laughs> yeah or false teeth <laughs> you <are> that <laughs> ah, absolutely <laughs> I remember my brother said he th- was it my brother he said he bought a jacket or a proper suit and it had clippings nail clippings in the pocket oh. <laughs> and he instantly gubbed them <laughs> <laughs> so what was after Dr Cosmos Tape Lab then uh, oh yeah then I'd done uh, uh, some just like called Radiophonic Talk Shop yeah. which again was just mostly me just using whoever I think I watched that Steely Dan documentary about the Asia, Aja, Aja, yeah, yeah, Aja, yeah. Aja yeah. Album. album, and I just liked. Uh, they're talking about basically using whoever was right for a part or a song, and I thought, yeah, it'd be quite cool to do stuff like that. So I started using various friends, mm-hmm. mostly as just as a recording thing. So and just trying lots of different styles. And, yeah. But I think that's the most. They're the least successful thing I've ever done. Right. So I released some stuff with uh, last night from Glasgow, and the album that I brought it just. I I think I only got two reviews and they were both bad. <laughs> this is the only time I've ever been panned. So, I think uh, I was quite like. Yeah. I thought it was quite good. Yeah, I still it was think good. I, yeah, I actually good. still think they're pretty good. They are absolutely. But yeah, like uh, I think like, a lot of the people who knew me for doing sixties kind of stuff. Didn't uh, like that it was like eight minute long 80s uh, pop belters on it, you know, so they were not very favourable to that. But I'm still proud of that good. stuff. So I you should be. Good, and during that time you were collaborating with it, you were on other people's records as well, weren't you? Yeah, yeah, I was doing a bit of production uh, with Douglas on a couple of BMX Bandit songs and uh, Carla and that as yeah. well. So yeah, it's a good wee productive period. It's interesting what you say about folk expecting, you know, being a fan of you because of what you'd done previously in terms of style. Do you th- I wouldn't have thought that would have mattered. I thought people would think that you cross all these different styles, but maybe well, the thing a lot is, of folk don't. With the kind of stuff that I do, like my old band, like the band I first got attention for, Dowsley Sunshine, was a band that was obviously very sexy. I think with a lot of other influences as well, but we kind of caught the year of like, shindig magazine yeah and we were quite po- we were more popular like to guys that buy records in america i say guys because it's predominantly <laughs> middle-aged uh white males who buy stuff that sounds like 60s music yeah not exclusive to that but mostly as you know so they're the kind of guys that bought the stuff that i make and then my solo stuff and then dr cosmo as well mm-hmm. japan and europe and stuff and I've never been that big on the Glasgow scene, you know. I've never really had much. Well, I've got a bit of a following here, but I've, you know, for someone that's been going for twenty years, yeah, you know, I don't really have that because so, I've never really courted the indie side. Yes, I, I suppose being with last night from Glasgow was uh, the closest I've I've come to that. The people who previously knew me for making sixties influence pop of some kind. Well, I think there's still a lot of that on that album, actually. So it's kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I anyway, uh-huh. I think like one eighty song, and you're done with that crew. <laughs> you do one eighty song, exactly, and it's they never forget. Um, but am I right? It's thinking hits despair is coming out on an American label. Yes, uh, it's a fairly new label. Right. 
there's a guy called Roger Hoodale, who's a really nice guy, and he's been making records for years as ex-Norwegian. Right. He's quite big on the power pop scene okay. as well. Like he's done quite well. So he just started this label, and he was doing mostly reissues of 60s and 70s stuff, and he's put out some cool stuff. He put out um, Ollie Halsell. Right. His solo album, he was like the guitarist for Kevin Ayers. Mm-hmm. All right. And he was also the real Dirk McQuickley from the Ruttles. Really? Yeah, he's oh, okay. the guy that done all the Eric Idle parts, uh-huh. the singing and the bass playing. That's Ollie Halsell. Wow. But he's dead, unfortunately. And he was also the guitarist in Pato, right uh, which also featured the drummer from the Ruttles, John Halsey. So, yeah, he's released he released uh, like a, a very cool album of his stuff. And he released the uh, UK psych band Kaleidoscope. Right. He released um, a compilation of their stuff, and he's just about to release uh, the new Os Mutantes album. Right. Which is really cool. Yeah. So yeah, I think he kind of he got in contact with me. Right. Because uh, he was doing a compilation album, a Liverpool singer called Jimmy Campbell. Okay. And it was like his band, but featuring different singers. So I think he kind of found me online because he'd seen that I was a fan of Jimmy Campbell. Asked me to do a song on that and we kind of became friends because of that. And then when I started posting stuff about oh, I'm doing this Poppermost thing, he was like, oh, I like this. I'd like to release it. And I was like, all right, cool. Because I was going to release it just as a CDR kind of type yeah. album. Uh, you know, I started it in September and I was going to release it in November, December. So I'd kind of finished a version of it, mm-hmm. uh, which I was getting ready to kind of mix and master and stuff. And that's when he kind of came along and went, oh, I'd like to do this. And then it becomes six months because you need to go and yeah. get stuff. So it gave me another couple of months, actually, to refine it a bit. I wrote a couple more songs. And originally I was mixing it all in the box in the computer. But I got this wee desk and some of this stuff. And I started just trying to kind of mix it on four tracks uh, very simply, you know, and kind of do the weird panning stuff like you get on all the Beatles stereo records. So that's the kind of... All the drums are over there and <laughs> all that weirdness. So, But it, it gave me a kind of totally different... I think this is the first project I've ever done where I've managed to successfully uh, where separate like being producer and being, you know, performer. Because usually I get kind of caught somewhere in between and start stressing about things. But yeah. I kind of removed it and let myself record myself in a weird way that I hadn't done before. Right. It became easier. So just changing my mindset and also I don't know I was microdosing as right. well like uh, magic mushrooms for a while and they actually really helped I think like a lot of people last year I was getting pretty down yeah yeah and going through like because obviously my work as a kind of tribute performer was wiped out yes of course and it uh, still is on the whole so last year the first couple of months of last year I just thought right it's party time right. I'm off for a couple of months I had a bit of money in the bank From I was on tour for ages yeah. before this and I was just like baby and staying up all night for ages and ages and it was like right cool okay we're back to work in June, July then that came round it was like mm, that was not happening I think a lot of people were the same I look back in that period now and you think Oh, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. I've got yeah. nothing to do. I'm stiff now, you know. Yeah, no yeah. problem at all. It just felt like it was going to be something. A lot of people were thinking it was weeks, but I thought, right, it's, no, it's going to be June, yeah. July. And then I thought, right, it'll be August, September. You know, and as it went on, there was points where you started going, 
just getting the fear about it and yeah. starting to kind of dawn on you how bleak it was. So there was a lot of just weird, weird bouts of, <laughs> oh my God, like yeah. just your soul going, Ugh. and I stopped like partying as much in the house. In the house. No, yeah. but that's, that's the, I know <laughs> exactly what tiki you bar. <laughs> So, and uh, yeah, that's, and the Popamos kind of came about through the result of that, I think. Because it just gave me the focus, and I was writing songs every day, like and I've not been like that since my twenties, you know. Yeah. So I really got into that, and just for a couple of months was just, and then I got pretty down again, so I stopped it. Right. Because I thought this isn't working anymore. I mean, it was right about Christmas, uh, and after Christmas has been my kind of big decline period, mm. you know. So I'm glad I got all that music done. Yeah. You know before that happened because this year has been much more of a slog in terms of like mentally it's such a weird weird yeah yeah. i still think last year we slipped into a parallel universe you know we diverged into something else yeah somewhere everything's going on just fine oh yes i definitely feel like that like where are we now you know like as bowie said so we're finishing the (laughs) album and no I, i i do you see that then after the year that you're talking about getting the album out and and a uh, does that seem like a kind of that was the end of that that's that almost defines that year for me because it was a real help to yeah. get through it. I the one thing I don't want to do with this album is kind of attribute it to no being no a no lockdown no album. sure sure you know no, I'm, no. I'm kind of like I think I would have made an album with this anyway at some yeah. point. It just happened. It might have been made in a different way, but you would have made it. Yeah, 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 totally. And, uh, yeah, I think very much that I'm glad I'm now at this point where uh, this morning I just posted all the kind of pre-orders out. uh, And I was thinking, right, cool, because I've been trying to write stuff for the next thing. Yeah. And I've not really been able... I always think now, like, I have to kind of seal something. Yes, that's kind of what I was thinking about. And you have to psychologically kind of close off something to be able to move on because that's what happened with us mm-hmm. and I think before I've always had things going on that were dragging on and you if you don't finish something when you're in the mind well for me anyway yeah. like if I don't finish something in the window of interest or uh, you know inspiration then it's really really hard to finish something so I've started to realise that and I had demoed a few things before but now I think I was going to like move on with the idea and the next thing was going to be more like a rubber soul revolver type right. thing more folky and more kind of psyche in a way but now I'm playing with these guys uh, Richard and Ross mm-hmm. they're really really rocking R&B guys yeah definitely and we're really sounding more like that vibe so I'm thinking well maybe I should write for this that's you know, a good idea, yeah. And we actually done a wee session in here a couple of weeks ago and it was really good and I thought this could work, you know, get the three of us in, do live takes, you know, and design it to be played like that, you know, and we, so because it's a real luxury for me to be able to record a band and guys like that. Yeah. Uh, and do that, having been doing it all on my own for quite a while. So I thought, well, let's do that. And they're up for it. So the next thing I think will be, will be that. quite groove and dance oriented. Maybe not as beatly, but still, you know, still very early 60s. Kind of rock and roll R&B type of... Yeah, but still poppy. Yeah. Still poppy. But, you know, like uh, big hooks. I always like catchy hooks. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what we do. Uh, excited. 
quite excited that it won't just be the same thing again, you know. Yeah, but I don't think from what you've been saying that you've ever done the same thing again. It's like you've you're interested. You were saying about you've got to be in a headspace of interest, mm-hmm. and you've mentioned a couple of projects or a couple of albums that haven't been finished. Yeah. And do you think you'll return to them? Or is, <laughs> is it the case where you go, no, I had to be, that was off its time and off yeah. the way I was thinking or whatever? Well, every one of my projects now has an unreleased album. There's a Nowsley Sunshine album that Nick and I done. He moved to LA and I went over there for a week about eight, eight or nine years ago. And we kind of wrote a load of stuff. Then he came over here for a week and we kind of recorded Oh, So that album's about 80% finished. And then there's the Dr. Cosmo one I was talking yeah. about. And now there's the Radiophonic Touch Shop one. And they're all about the same stage. They would all like need a week, two right. weeks tops. But every time I load them up, I just kind of like, you feel like you're intruding on someone else's work or something. It's, I don't know. So I would love to think that before I snuff it, <laughs> <laughs> there'll be a box set with those three albums finished, you know. like um, I was thinking you've set up the lost tapes for someone to well, discover there, and all that there, time. You know, and uh, if you're listening to this album 50 years' time and I'm either a dribbling wreck <laughs> or uh, toes up, please feel free to uh, retrieve my hard drives. Going to the back garden and if yeah. it's still there. Yeah. <laughs> In terms of, um, you know, because you've done a lot of the stuff yourself, and is it something you would recommend to people who are starting out and then kind of looking maybe to get their music released and are not sure how to do it? I guess you've got to have some knowledge, of course, but, you know, what would be your advice to someone like that? I would just say do everything as DIY as you can until you can't. Yeah. You know, I just think it's great to be able to... I think a lot of kids are into that now, like technology's yeah. there and they're doing stuff, you know, just with a laptop and a little keyboard. So yeah. I think that aesthetic is really taken hold. Um, for me, I'm obviously into kind of older stuff, and there's a lot of people who like analog gear. Yeah, and it's just the hardest thing now. Like if you go on YouTube and you're into recording and equipment, it's just like thousands of videos of guys telling you you need this equipment. Oh, you can't use this thing. This is crap. And I just say use what you've got. Yeah. Because I started out just using a mixing desk and a computer. I found out how to get sounds that I thought were like the things I like. Sure. You know, and everybody just learns by trying to copy the things they like. Yeah. And then it develops from there. So I say you don't need anything. Like You just have a mic and a computer. Make mm. whatever you want, when you want, how you want. Don't listen to people who tell you you need this or like you need to save up and spend all this money on equipment because you don't. I'm lucky that I've got quite decent gear now. Like I've bought these preamp things which are like Abbey Road style preamps and I've I've got loads of stuff that I dreamed of having when I was a kid you know like my Hofner and yeah, the drums yes. Lud- Ludwig drums and sometimes I just come in and go really glad I've got all this stuff like, <laughs> yeah. so for quite a few years I was collecting Beatles stuff and I wasn't really doing anything with it and I, I really wanted to make a Beatley kind of album just because I love that but if your head's somewhere else musically you can't just uh get into that so yeah i'm glad that's where i'm at because that's my love and i'm a boring beatles obsessive guy and i admit it my name's joe kane and i'm a beatles addict um, well i think that's the perfect place to leave it with that admission joe yeah. everyone can see and that. buy the records <laughs> absolutely do that uh well thanks very much for having a chat today joe. oh no thanks for coming over like because i really didn't want to go to the south side <laughs> Fair enough. (laughs) And uh, we'll be back soon with someone completely different. Cheers.